Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And today I wanted to talk about, there were several things I wanted to talk about. I'm going to try and get to them each in order. Um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about, though, was um, it was about a lot of information that's come out in the past two weeks uh, about what happened on January 6th, uh, the attempt to overthrow the government of the United States. And fortunately, um, <laughs> my students always know, and I always talk about this, I'm always very grateful that most terrorists are really stupid. Um, they are. Uh, thankfully, they try and do things like light their shoes on fire in the middle of, you know, the, the, in the middle of the cabin of the plane. Or they, you know, uh, act really crazy beforehand and then get pulled over. Um, thankfully, that happens. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like that because, you know, some of them do actually get to go ahead and, and commit the atrocities to which they are well known. I mean, you know, we just had less than a month ago, September 11th, the anniversary is 20 years now since September 11th. So we still learn that um, <clears throat> they're not always that stupid. Uh, sometimes we're the ones that are stupid. We're the ones that don't uh, pay attention to it. And, you know, as I said, uh, we're doing in, in my one class right now, and anyone who's listening to this from my class knows this, we're doing World War I. We're, we're talking about World War I. I said World War I is fascinating, and those of you who have listened to my podcast, and if you haven't, there are several episodes about World War I that are very good. World War I is interesting because there are no really clear bad guys in the war, okay? Um, World War II, there are bad guys. There's Hitler. There are, you know, there's Tojo in Japan. There's Mussolini. Uh, there's Stalin, you know, who was a bad guy until he wasn't a bad guy because he was fighting against Hitler. But it's easier to be like, ah, oh, well, obviously we're fighting against the forces of evil here, okay? Um, but, you know, even like I say, World War II, the United States, the main reason why we were so taken aback and so caught off guard uh, at Pearl Harbor was because there was this real belief that the Japanese, because they were an Asiatic people, they were Asian, they could not do this. And the Russians had made the same mistake about 40 years earlier. And it's the same kind of stupidity that's like, well, they, these people can't do this. There's no way they can be the European power. They can catch the Americans off guard. And, and then they do. And, you know, I mean, there were suggestions the Japanese could hit Pearl Harbor. I mean, it wasn't the majority of the thought, but it, it should have been something we did. And there were talk about how, um, you know, the terrorists might try and hijack planes and use them as basically missiles in order to take out American buildings, but everyone just poo-pooed that idea, okay, and, and said, well, this is, this is not going to happen, this is never going to happen, um, and nothing ever happens until it does, as I'm fond of saying. But the thing about uh, uh, the, the 6th of January, we're now finding more and more out about it, and we're finding out that it was not just a spontaneous get-together, we're finding out that this was a coordinated effort. That there was actually not just the people involved on the ground, many of whom were 
absolutely willing to commit acts of violence against sitting members of Congress. Now, I want to say that again. They were absolutely willing to commit acts of violence against sitting members of Congress. And then we had the other angle, which was where the uh, lawyers that were supporting Trump wrote up things, and one in particular wrote up about how they could go about overturning the election. Now, again, <clears throat> the election, and this is, this is a fact, this is not an opinion, it's not an opinion piece, this is a fact. The election was won by Joe Biden. There are no serious questions about the veracity of that claim. In fact, in the few places where they have challenged it, for example, in Arizona, they had, uh, a, you know, they, they went and they reviewed all the votes. They found out that actually Biden had won some more votes, a minimal amount, something like 399 votes. I forget exactly what the number was, but that was it. Now, despite that, the, the pro-Trump people have claimed... You know what? We won the election. We've won it. It's overwhelming numbers. I remember talking to someone that I know very well. I don't want to bring my brother's name up, but it's him. Uh, you know, who was like, wait until after the Arizona recall counts come in. You're going to see the amount of fraud was ridiculous. And Trump won by overwhelming numbers. Um, except he didn't. Now there's talk about redoing things in Texas. It's just a wild waste of money, except that it's not. And this is what I think a lot of people unfortunately fail to recognize. It's a waste of money if you look at it as they're going to spend millions and millions of dollars recounting votes in order to get the same results or results that end up having Biden win some more. Or even if it ends up with... <laughs> even if it was to end up with Trump winning like 50 more votes. I mean, there, there is no scenario at all in which Trump wins the election. There is none. But what it does is it actually sows the seeds of doubt in the electoral process. It, it invites the individual, it invites the community to start questioning. Well, this is all, it's, it's all fagazi. It's all... You know, they're, they're, it's all been fixed. The deep state has been involved. You know, the Democrats have, have done stuff to, you know, make sure that uh, 10 million illegal immigrants voted for Biden. No, none of this is true. But you know what? When you keep going on it, then people start saying, well, you know what? It, it's, it hasn't gone away. Maybe there is some truth to it. And this is absolutely within the autocrats' handbook, okay? Um, there are a lot of people that have written much more about it than I have. Um, it's not my personal area of expertise, though I've done quite a bit of reading and writing about it over the past. But the idea is that once you start getting people to doubt the elections, once you start getting people to question the elections, it's very easy to take them to the next step, which is to be like, well, we have to step in to save the country from itself. And that's the step we're in right now. Now, the people, the Trump team, are pretty much a bunch of just absolute lunatics and miscreants, and 
there's no, you know, there. <laughs> I mean, you've got people like Rudy Giuliani, who was America's mayor at one point, uh, and is now considered a laughing stock. Okay, people like Sidney Powell, uh, you know, all these other characters. But it's opened the door and it's shown the way. And I always do like to bring up an area which I'm I'm also very familiar with. The late Roman Republic during the the uh, decades between when Rome went from being a republic to uh, an empire, um, and I like to bring that up because there are so many similarities. There are so many similarities, and so you know you you get this where it becomes okay. Well, Trump is not going to be successful. But someone else might be. Someone else who's a little more savvy. Someone else who's a little bit more down with it. Hip to the game. Could end up being the person that overthrows American democracy. It's very clear at this point. And and again, this is not something that I say with any sense of of excitement. I say it because it's true. Um, The Republican Party right now is determined to overthrow American democracy. And I say that terribly because there have been in the past some very great Republican presidents, okay? Some people that I look at, people like Teddy Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, you know, either, either Ulysses Grant. Yes, I know, he gets hammered, but he's being, these days, historians are, are coming out and rehabilitating him because he actually was a darn fine uh, president, and to be honest, he's probably the greatest general this country's ever had. I know, I know. Some of you are like, when are you coming out with that other civil war thing? I will come out with it, I promise you. It's going to happen fairly soon. It is. And I'll be talking a lot more about how much uh, better a general Grant was than Lee. Which, you know, President Trump said... You know, if he was in charge of Afghanistan, the, the war in Afghanistan, it would have been over in a day. Nothing would have been over in a day. There's no way in the world this would have been over in a day, okay? Uh, so, it was just ridiculous. Second of all, you're talking about him as someone who would have brought America together. No, they wouldn't have. Lee was very determined to keep America split. He sided with his state over the federal government. Uh, which is fine. That's his prerogative, okay? He could do that. But it's not really something that we smile upon. Um, it's not something that we look upon as an admirable trait. So, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm getting off of the point here for January 6th. So, we're finding out now that one of the things they want to do is they wanted to have uh, the uh, vice president, Mike Pence... Refused to certify, say that there were questions, and that no one had reached, because of these questions about voting, no one had reached the 271 magic number of electoral votes you needed to win the presidency, which would mean that it would go to the states. Now, every state has one vote at that point, and therefore, you'd have the states vote. And by the way, oh man, guess what? Guess who has control of the majority of state governments? The Republicans. So it would have simply been a case of, okay, well, each state gets one vote. Oh, well, the Republicans 
have more states that they are in control of. Therefore, they get to elect Donald Trump president again. He would have lost by 7 to 8 million popular votes. He would have lost the Electoral College, except that you could have had a vice president say it. And of all the people in the world, and I think you have to be someone who's at least my age or older. I'm 43. You have to be someone my age or older to appreciate J. Danforth Quayle. And uh, former Vice President Quayle, if you're listening to me right now, which you're probably not, but in the off shot that someone's like, you know, Vice President Quayle, you, know, you should totally listen. This guy in New Jersey has a podcast that, you know, gets, uh, you know, a couple of dozen, you know, listens uh, every time. You should totally listen to this. I do wish to thank you. I really do. Because you know what? Despite all of your foibles, you actually went to bat for democracy. You did. If you don't know what happened, Vice President Pence called up former Vice President Quayle. He was Vice President of George H.W. Bush, um, the one term that he was there. It seemed like, what can I do? And Quayle was like, you do what your job is. You certify the votes. And Pence was like, what, 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 what if I do, what, can't I, uh, you know. And Quayle was like, just stop. Stop. Certify the votes. Be on your way. You don't have the right nor the constitutional authority to overturn the election. And because of that, apparently... Vice President Pence went ahead. Now, you know, you have to remember that there were people there that had a gallows. If you don't know what a gallows is, boys and girls, go look it up, okay? They had a gallows ready there. There was talk about hanging Vice President Pence. Now, I only say this because I find it absolutely absurd that we even have to discuss this, but we do. There were people, there were people that were trying to overthrow the government on the 6th of January who actively talked about, and we're, we're hearing more of it now every day, they wanted to, the one woman wanted to put a bullet in Nancy Pelosi's brain. What is, what is that except for an abject threat of violence that is a threat to kill someone? This person should be in a jail cell right now, awaiting trial. They built a gallows, okay, with, with a noose on it. They were talking about hanging Vice President Pence. And Vice President Pence, by the way, in case any of you have been living under a rock, which I, any of my listeners have not been, he was a Republican. He was a Republican. And he was vice president under Trump. They wanted to hang him if he didn't do what Trump wanted. President Trump called the secretary of state down in Georgia and asked him to find 12,000 votes to overturn the election. I mean, it is the... Good, good God. It is the height of absolute degeneracy. And it is such an affront to everything that we hold dear about democracy in this country 
that this happened and that no charges have been brought against any of these people, the higher-ups. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, and, and <laughs> that, but that's where we are. That's where we are right now. <clears throat> and now, like I said, we find out that there was an entire plan about how to do this. Well, you know what? That's great for now, but I'll tell you what. What if the plan goes through the next time? What if it goes through the next time? Who's going to do something? The Supreme Court, which has a 6-3 to three conservative majority, including three people Trump had appointed to the Supreme Court, all of whom have shown that they have no interest in doing anything but rolling back the last 60 years of uh, voting rights and women's rights. I mean, this is not the Republic of Gilead. Not yet. But it very well could be. You know, I talked about in my last podcast what was going on in Texas. And the fact now is that Florida and many other states are, are going after that. And Mississippi, I, think, I believe it's Mississippi, they have a case that's going to be viewed by the Supreme Court that will basically undo Roe versus Wade. And again, I, you know what? There's even the part of me that's tempted because I am a, I'm a man of... Of you know, I, I'm I'm willing to tolerate a lot, and there's a large part of me that's like, okay, well, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. These idiots are going to be like, all right, we're going to undo Roe versus Wade, and it's going to go back to the states. Fine. Now I live in New Jersey, the greatest state that has ever stated in the history of the United States, and we are a pro-choice state. We are a state that allows for abortions. But the problem is it won't just end. It won't just end there. Because fascism is not just about getting your way. It's not. And any of you who listen to this, I do implore you to go and to read up on things. You know, go, go read, and this is something I think I'm going to try and read with my 7th and 8th grade. I'm going to try and read Animal Farm. And I'm going to try and read, um, that, that's with the 8th grade. With the 7th grade, I want to read The Crucible. It's never about getting what you want. Getting you what you want is part one. Forcing everyone else to do what you want, that's part two. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of fascism is... Not, for example, not to make abortion illegal in the states that want to make it illegal. It's to make it illegal everywhere. It's not to say, well, you know what, in these states we can have prayer in school. That's fine. You know, if you could say, well, you know what, Alabama and Mississippi and Texas and Louisiana and all these other states are going to be like, well, we're going to have prayer legalized in school. I could turn around and be like, well... Uh, whatever, in New Jersey, we're not going to. No, 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 that's not where it stops. It then becomes a case of, well, we need to make sure that prayer in school is mandatory throughout the country. And if you don't do it, the federal government will come down on you. The same goes on with things like gay marriage. And it doesn't stop there because once it starts happening, and you could view this with any autocratic government, any fascist government that's ever existed... It doesn't stop. It keeps going because once they get the bit between their teeth, that's it. So then it becomes, you know, again, well, we've got Loving versus Virginia, which allows for 
interracial marriage. We got to get rid of that. And they will try to. Believe me, this is not something... Again, you can be like, well, Ashitino, what are you... What are you talking about? This is nonsense. They're not going to do that. I mean, come on. Who in this day and age is going to try and make it illegal for couples of different races to get married? I can assure you, I can assure you that the same people that are fighting about this, about issues of abortion, about issues of prayer in school and stuff like that, they will not stop. It will be that. It will be about Christianity being, you know, the only religion that matters. And again, you know, I implore you. If you know, I was talking with, I was talking with someone who's um, he's Hindu and conservative, makes good money, votes Republican because it's like, well, listen, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't pay extra taxes. And I said, do you really think that some of these people can tell the difference between a Hindu and a Muslim? Do you really think they can? I mean, after 9-11, for those of you who are listening and are not old enough to understand, the first people who were murdered after 9-11 were Sikhs because they were wearing a turban. Sikhs are not Hindu. They're not Muslim. Doesn't matter. They were killed because you know what? They looked like those people. There were women assaulted because they wore the head covering, the hijab. Assaulted in the aftermath of 9-11. Had nothing to do with it at all. Overwhelmingly, Muslims in America are very, very, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say the word loyal, because that gives a sense of, you know, that it's, it's something that's agreed upon, but... Overwhelmingly, Muslims in America are, are pro-American. They're very happy. No, they don't agree on every single policy that America has. But who the heck does? You find me a Republican that agrees about every policy American has. You give me a Jewish person, a Christian, a Hindu, a black, white, whatever. Everyone has issues. We all, we all agree with some things that America does, and we all disagree with others. And that's why we go out and vote. And that's great. That's a wonderful thing to have that kind of discourse and to be like, you know what, I don't like this policy, so I'm going to go out and elect people who do this. That's why we get these people, and, and, and thankfully we have some young people in Congress that are making waves. Why? It's good that they're making waves. Because they're going out there and saying, no, we're not going to... Uh, agree with a lot of this stuff because we think it's wrong. And that's great. And you know what? If you don't like them, then hey, go out and run yourself or, or vote for someone that's going to run against them. But I'm telling you right now that this is the type of thing that ends up coming back to bite people in the rear end. That The fact that these people, these, these fascists, these hyper-conservatives, they will not accept it's not again it's not just that they get their way you have to do it it's the famous line from 1984 you know it's not enough you hate big brother you must now you must love him that's it you must love him you can't just be like well i'm okay with whatever no you have to love him that's why you have to have you know these things you have to say that 
the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning. You have to stand up for the flag. And and it's not a case of, okay, well, you know, I like standing up or whatever, uh, that, which is fine. You have every right to in, enjoy standing up for the pledge. It just becomes a case of, nope, you know what? It's not just that you can, you now have to. And if you don't, if you don't, we're going to take umbrage at that. And we're going to punish it. And that's what it ends up becoming. So, before we get to that point, I really want a lot of people to think very hard about what is going on in this country. What's being voted for. You know, who's in charge, who's not in charge. Um, you know, it, it, it's very problematic. And, you know, people like me, you know, again, it becomes a case of, you know, will I even be allowed to have a podcast one day? I'd like to think I would. I mean, I will continue having a podcast until they decide to take things down. Whatever that is. Hopefully, it will never happen. But you don't know. And that's why people need to come out there and fight you know, you don't always have to like everything that the opposition has to say. But you have to ensure that there is a ground for it. With the exception of the fact that there are times where fascism comes into play. And you have to recognize that for what it is. And you have to go out against it. And you have to, you have to make sure that you act against it. Because the problem is it's the paradox of fascism, you know... You could be like, well, you know, there were people that were like, well, you know what, listen, we don't like this Hitler character, but we do have certain freedoms under the Weimar Republic, and we're going to allow him to say his say. Well, the problem is that his say ended up being the thing that upended everyone else's say, and eventually all of the political parties and all of the people who opposed him ended up either in jail or in a concentration camp. And we can't have that. We cannot have that. So I would just, I would ask people to continue to fight against this. Um, you know, to continue to fight against fascism, autocracy, authoritarianism, as much as you could. And not to let people go ahead and do that because, you know, again, you might think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay with some of what these people do. Believe me, it's not okay with what some of what they do. Eventually, eventually, you will disagree with them on one point, and then you become a public enemy, and they will come after you. It's not, you know, again, the, the famous words of the poem, you know, they came after the communists, but I was not a communist, so I didn't say anything. They came after, and then eventually it becomes... And then they came after me, and there was no one left to speak up. Mark my words, there is a time where there will be no one left to speak up. If we do not continue to fight for freedom and fight for uh, classical liberalism across the board, even if you're not always thrilled about what's going on, you really have to fight for this because without it, there is no, there is no freedom, and there are no other ways to go about it. So, I have said this before. <laughs> I know some of you are rolling your eyes. I will definitely try for next week to get another part of the Civil War um, <laughs> that I've been working on uh, going forward. Hopefully that will go through. Um, otherwise, if you have any comments, 
questions, things you want to throw at me, please do uh, put your comments in uh, online. And other than that, I wish all of you a very happy, healthy, and safe rest of your week. And I will hopefully talk to all of you again next week when I have my next episode. Bye-bye.